the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pro-America Report. It's Ed Martin. Great to be here. Many of you are watching on Periscope. And great to have you on there on Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin. If you're listening to the program, of course, it's The Answer San Diego. Great radio station. I just was mentioning to my Periscope viewers that we were... I was hosting uh, Andrea Kay's show, at Andrea Kay show on Twitter. She's spectacular. She was out yesterday. I jumped in and, and filled in for... Great crowd, great folks, good to be on. Her program is on right before this one, so she's recovering, doing great. She was on assignment. Actually, she was just under the weather for a day or so, so she's back in the saddle. So listen, a couple of things. I want to keep a, 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 a keep the prayer chain going, keep the prayers up for General Flynn. I heard from General Flynn uh, in the last 24 hours, had a quick exchange with him. He's doing fine. Still a lot of fight, still a lot that has to happen, so not nothing's been resolved. I, I did a radio interview uh, on a station out of... Uh, I think West Virginia and they said General Flynn's been exonerated I said not not at all not at all uh, not at all. So we got we have a lot more work to be done. So anyway, they'll, they'll be doing that. We focus on that. Now, the story that I want to the, the issue I want to talk about for the wink, what you need to know is about Joe Biden and how he's losing the uh, his coalition and it's not just one of them. It's not just two of them. It's not just Alyssa Milano who's revisiting her concerns. It's the main people in a Democrat coalition that you have to hold, have to hold together. And I give him a 50-50 chance that he's actually the nominee. And uh, let me tease this. I'm not going to be able to play it on the Periscope, but I'm going to play it on this radio program tonight. And that is uh, Roger Stone will make a celebrity, a guest appearance on the show he will do something. I don't know if he's ever done it publicly. Uh, he certainly, not that I know of. You'll hear it. I'll talk about it more tomorrow, and you can see it there. You'll probably get a sense of what he's going to do. But let's talk about what you need to know today. What you need to know. I needed to do this. I, I want to talk about, I really want to talk about uh, uh, Roger Stone more. I want to talk about the economy. I want to talk about going back to work. I've got to have a, I've, I've been pushed by a couple of you listeners to be more specific on what I see the threats are as we return to work, as we return to the new normal, as we restart. We break the great pause and restart what the threats are. But I got to do it tomorrow because today I need to tell you, because I don't want this to slip by. Here's the threefer that Joe Biden experienced and why his campaign, I would say, is 50-50 that he makes it to the finish line to even to be the uh, not even to be elected, but just to be on the ballot. Number one, last Friday, the sort of famous moderate, you know, the famous Republican moderate, the thoughtful Republican moderate Peggy Noonan, very gifted writer. I don't agree with her a lot of the time, probably 50-50, but Peggy Noonan wrote a piece and she, in the piece, she weaved in there, and my wife was the first one to see it. She flagged it and said, look at this. Peggy Noonan said this. She, Peggy Noonan wrote about, I'm approximating the phraseology, but it was something like this. Biden can't even follow his own thoughts. Now, when Peggy Noonan voices on the Wall Street Journal, on the, 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 the columns called Declarations, what everybody else is thinking, and she says it about your mental state, 
Joe Biden, you're losing Peggy Noonan because she's generally anti-Trump. She's generally sort of can't believe how rough and tumble is all this stuff. So Joe Biden, that's a signal. You're losing the sort of moderate Republicans that are supposed to think you're the good guy because you're you're not you're, you're losing your mind is what she said. On Sunday, the New York Times wrote a column. Maureen Dowd wrote her column. Now, Maureen Dowd is as cantankerously left wing and pro-Democrat as you can get. But she's cantankerous. She's not sort of controlled by anybody. And she wrote a whole column about how basically Joe Biden is a hypocrite and how can Joe Biden on the Me Too thing get where he is and and how can you say what you said about uh, Kavanaugh and then do what you did with uh, this Tara Reid woman. And it's, it's basically, by the end of it, she's basically saying it's not credible, it's not real, and she's, of course, she goes and blasts Trump in the middle of it and all. So you say, well, okay, you're losing, you're losing Peggy Noonan, you're losing Maureen Dowd, it's getting pretty bad, Joe Biden. You haven't even got the nomination and you're losing the key people that have to be motivated to run through fire and say they need you. Now, they'll be motivated to run against Trump, to run through fire for Trump, against Trump. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this solves the problem. But what you need to know is what comes next. And this was in the headline of the Periscope. There's a piece yesterday in Politico, a lengthy piece about how Joe Biden was had to face a pandemic before it was the h1n1 uh swine flu and the obama administration had to find that and the premise of the political article politico article politico for those of you that are frequent listeners you know what i'm going to say and you know and those that are new here's what you need to know on this politico politico.com is the place to go to see what the left is thinking they think deeply we'll say it deeply it's not really deep, but they cover lots of stuff in depth and they kind of think they're very serious. They, they think they're intellectual, and it, but it's where the left is. So you can see what the left is thinking by going to Politico. It's really good opposition research because it's kind of dry, and it drives their agenda. There's a piece on there. There's a, a big piece on AOC right now that AOC's district is getting decimated by the illness, the coronavirus, the Wuhan virus. And they're, they're sort of excusing it because she doesn't have enough clout or the, she's disappointed in the Democrats. It's just it's crazy to watch. But the political piece I'm referring to and I'll put it up on social media, it, it basically says that John Brennan the now disgraced uh, former director of national intelligence, I think that was his title, but the sort of deep state inside guy who was uh, lied to Rand Paul in the Senate in the past about surveilling Americans, and then he's in the middle of all the Russia hoax stuff. He's the guy that's paid on CNN to talk about how he was right and the Russia hoax was real. Turns out he wasn't right, the Russia hoax wasn't real, and you say to yourself, why is CNN paying somebody to do that? Just out of, by the way, the, the, your, your official position with the, with the government, you're cashing in to make an argument about the same position. It's crazy. But Brennan in the political piece is the hero and Biden is the goat. Biden didn't handle the swine flu pandemic well, neither did the Obama administration. But man, John Brennan, he was a hero. He was a hero. So two things I want to tell you about that. One is, how powerful is John Brennan? What does he have on everybody? Remember, he was the head of the, the national intelligence. What does he have on everybody? He probably has a lot. At this point, we can say, if J. Edgar Hoover was, you know, a sort of so had some issues with who he was compiling things on and what he was looking at, and there is some record of that, although not as bad as people say, John Brennan now and Mueller and Strzok and McCabe and Comey, they've been shown to be not just swampy, but corrupt. 
Worldview shattered, corrupt. I don't know if they were taking money for it. Although, isn't it, aren't you sort of corrupt when you're John Brennan and you take lots of money from CNN to go talk about the same stuff that you did wrong and to pretend it wasn't wrong? But anyway, whatever, however you define corrupt, they're there. And Politico's covering for John Brennan. John Brennan's the hero and Joe Biden's not? Joe Biden's the loser? Joe Biden's the failure? This is the guy that they're supposed to have rallied behind to say this is the most important guy. This is the most, he's, it's Joe, it's Uncle Joe, it's a Cousin Joe, it's Citizen Joe. Here's my point and what you need to know. The Democrats are now convinced that Biden can't get to the finish line. Now, Biden's people are probably throwing at the powers that be all the polling that says he's doing great because he's hiding in his basement. His poll, the polling is going up. And Biden's saying, look, all I have to do is hide in the basement. I, I won't debate him. Don't worry. We'll use the Wuhan virus and the problems. We'll, we'll dodge the debate. We'll say, oh, we can't do it. It's too much. We'll, we'll dodge that. So don't worry. I won't embarrass myself there. And I won't have to go out in public and say anything dumb. I won't get caught plagiarizing speeches. I won't do anything. We'll have Jill next to me every time he's on TV, by the way. Now he has Jill next to him like a handler, like she's a, like a, a long term, long term caregiver. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to have caregivers, good to have a spouse. But is your president of the United States going to have to have his wife sitting next to him so that in case he forgets what he was trying to say, she can cue him, which is what she's doing. So Biden is saying, hey, 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 I'm going to win anyway. And all around him, the Democrats are saying, the power brokers are saying, hold on, hold on. We can't, we can't lose this chance to beat Trump. We've got to beat Trump. If he can't do it, let's cut him out now. And this is the fight, the Titanic fight, which, by the way, sets up what is 100% guarantee in my mind that the pick for VP is Kamala Harris. She is bought, sold, packaged, owned by the establishment Democrats. She was the number two to Biden uh, uh, candidate who, uh, in the primary who got endorsed by the superdelegates and the congressmen and all that. Because why? Because she's of the system. She won't rock the boat. So they'll pick her. So she's the slide in behind Joe Biden. But I'm not sure Joe Biden's going to make it. What you need to know is when you're losing Peggy Noonan, Maureen Dowd and Politico in a three day period, you're not viable. You're not seriously in shape to be the nominee. And that's where Joe Biden is. That's where Joe Biden is. It's extraordinary. It's a a crazy situation. And uh, you're going to see it plays out in these next coming weeks and months. And that's what you need to know. All right. We're going to take a break. We come back. We'll talk with Michael Pack on the radio show. We'll talk with Michael Pack next. He's the documentary maker of the documentary on Clarence Thomas. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in one minute. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I'm really excited. Uh, I've Over the last, I don't know, six or eight months, I've gotten to be friends with uh, Michael Pack and his wife, who are documentary uh, makers. The, the documentary is about uh, Ju- uh, Justice Clarence Thomas. If you go to justicethomasmovie.com, justicethomasmovie.com, that's the best place to track it down. I went to one of the early showings, a premiere. I don't know if I ever told you, Michael. I went and my wife and I had a, had a sitter or had something going on. Our oldest is able to sit. But we anyway, we had to leave right in the middle of the Q&A. So we saw the movie. It's wonderful. We saw the Q&A and you were there with your wife and it was cool and it was great, but we had to sneak out so I didn't get the chance to visit with you. But welcome back to the program, Michael. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me back. Ed. Good to be back. 
Good to be back. Good to have you back. So I want to talk to you first about yesterday. Clarence Thomas uh, was uh, the star of the show, and I'll set it up for people. the uh, The Supreme Court heard oral arguments uh, on the phone because of the the uh, virus and the fear and all that. And because of that, the way they did the questioning was the Chief Justice Roberts went first, and that was he has a seniority as Chief Justice, and then they went in order of seniority. So they didn't have this free for all where everybody jumps in and stomps on each other and tries to show off. And so I. Th- think the first one after justice chief justice roberts is clarence thomas uh and maybe i'm wrong but it was early enough that he was given time and he took it so a man that had asked very few questions asked a bunch of questions first of all tell me michael about that you you would know that perspective tell us a little bit about how surprising that was well in a way it's surprising you know in our film you know you know our film is not only about his years on the court but his entire very dramatic life story but we do have him. Mm-hmm. We do ask him about the, why he speaks so infrequently in oral argument, and in the film he explains that he doesn't want to be one of those people interrupting all the time, getting in the way of the advocates having a chance to make their case. I think this other format sort of answered his answered that objection. I mean, he was called upon an order. It wasn't as you just said, Ed, this free for all that he doesn't like. So he asked a question. In a way, it's surprising, but in some ways, looking back, maybe it's not so surprising. But I, I personally love to hear from him, and I'm I'm happy that he did answer questions, and I hope he does it more in the future. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Again, we're talking with Michael Pack and uh, Michael and his wife Gina the, the, did this great movie, JusticeThomasMovie.com. It's about Clarence Thomas. Um, it's extraordinary. And and one of the reasons I was glad to get you back on is that the um, it's called Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in his own words. And it will air on PBS in prime time on Monday, May 18th. I'll make sure we're talking about a few more times in the next uh, 10 days or so. So that's exciting. I know when you when you do this, Michael, you said that's one of the things you, you do a good enough product in PBS. In fact, mm-hmm. one of the top guys at PBS says this is just such a fascinating insight into this uh, figure. So it's great. Congratulations on that. Um, how, how many hours? I didn't ask you last time. How many hours did you sit with Clarence Justice Thomas and interview him? Well, as you know, there are, we only interviewed Justice Thomas and his wife, Jenny, for this film. And it's called Clarence Thomas Correct. in his own words because we wanted him to tell his dramatic story, his way of looking right to camera. So I interviewed him and Jenny for over 30 hours over a six-month period. So it was a lot of access, more than any Supreme Court justice has ever given a documentary film company. So we were privileged and honored to be given that access. And he, he does have a very dramatic and very complex life story. You know, not as maybe your listeners know, going from dire poverty in the segregated South to the highest court of the land, but with many twists and turns uh, along the way. So it was a complicated and very emotional story to tell. And he's a great storyteller, you know, in spite of many people's attempts to caricaturize him as not thoughtful, not talkative. He, in fact, loves to talk and and is a great talker. Uh, we're t- again, we're talking with Michael Pack, and it's uh, the website for the movie called Created Equal. Uh, uh, Clarence Thomas, in his own words, is ch- the website is justicethomasmovie.com. One of the good things on that was uh, you can look for theaters where it's playing, but again, it's going to be in primetime on PBS on uh, May 18th. What was your biggest surprise in this? In term- Michael, when you went in, you knew who Thomas was. You've done a number of films. You've been involved in lots of aspects of things. What was your big surprise that when you came out, you went, wow, I didn't know that or didn't see that coming? 
good question. But let, let me also tell your listeners, they can also see, see our trailer on that website and sign up for our newsletter yep. so that we'll inform them of what's coming up. But it, it should be everywhere across the country um, on May 18th. It's 9 p.m. in St. Louis. I know that. but And that's where it should be in okay, most places. Good. But the thing mm-hmm. I learned, and the thing that surprised me most, is his resilience against many, many, many setbacks and his unwillingness to define himself as a victim in spite of having more cause than many of us. I mean, he grew up in the segregated South. He, he grew up in dire poverty. His, his father left before he could remember. Although born in Pinpoint, a Gullah-speaking area, his mother quit, moved to Savannah when he was six, where he experienced poverty of a kind you know, rarely seen, I think, in modern America. He didn't have enough to eat. He was cold in the winter. His mother would drop him off from school. He would just wander around the streets of Savannah. And it was only when, after several years, and she realized she couldn't take care of her two boys, she brought them to her father, his grandfather, to raise, that his life turned around. But that, that hmm. setback, that poverty in segregated Savannah, was only the first of many setbacks and many struggles. But he always came back, and he was resilient. I mean, it, it culminates, of course, in his very dramatic confirmation battle. But even that, you know, did not, in the end, stop the sort of optimism and and um, the sense of how positive his life has been. So, I think it's an inspiring. You know, I, I watched it with. I, I, yeah, I was. And we were talking again with Michael Pack, and uh, the website is justicethomasmovie dot com. And uh, I watched it especially, it, 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 not to take away from it, obviously. And again, May eighteenth, it'll be on PBS, and you, you can locate it wherever you are. Um, but when I watched the build up to his uh, confirmation at, for the Supreme Court, and and it, it, it was enough. It was long enough after the Kavanaugh confirmation that I had some perspective, but it was recent enough that I remembered it. And but I, I had forgotten with the Thomas thing, or maybe not seen it as he was coming along and there was a moment sort of like Kavanaugh where it looked like they had put all this doubt in and put all this nastiness in and they were hoping he'd walk away and and he didn't walk away very dramatic in the movie which the movie had become for me all about him and I was like wow this is amazing what a character what a what a what a human being the way he talked about his grandfather and uh, and his life and all and then you remembered this historical moment it was very very moving and he had kind of just decided, I'm going to do this. I'll go down if I have to, but I'm not going to quit. And I think a lot of people thought he would quit, even his own folks, right? A lot of people thought he would quit. But as he says in the hearing, I would rather die than withdraw. For him, it became a matter of honor. He thought the, the values yeah. of his grandfather and, and these Irish nuns in the parochial school where he was educated, their values he thought were being trashed. And he felt he had to stand up for that. And he gave that very moving high-tech lynching speech, defending himself and attacking the Senate process against the advice of all his handlers who said, you know, if you want the senators to vote for you, don't attack them. But he thought it wasn't about that. It was about setting the record straight and telling the truth. And it it was a very passionate moment, and people... Uh, underestimated Justice Thomas at that time, those that thought he would back down, as they had often in his past. 
Well, and I hate to, I, I have to say, and I, you know, of course, I'm, I'm partial to watching uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly, my old mentor and boss, and watching her life. You know, if you think of Thomas, you think of Kavanaugh, you think of Trump, Phyllis in some ways, uh, in her whole thing was, you know, you falling for, there, there may be times where you don't continue to fight, but falling for the conventional wisdom that, hey, if you just yield a little bit, it'll be better. Most times it doesn't work out that way. You know, Justice, I guess Justice, I was going to say Bork, you know, Robert Bork, uh, but I, I don't want to run out of time, Michael. I, I, Michael, I want to say uh, about this because President Trump mentioned you recently at a press conference because you were, you were nominated as the next, uh, the I guess it's called the, the CEO or the, the head of the Broadcasting Board of Governors, a big job that oversees Voice of America and other things, and you're totally qualified for that. You know, you've had the background in academia and in, in media and all, and I, I want to ask you, is there any progress? We know that Mitch McConnell's coming back to do nominations. Is there any hope that some of these Trump appointees like you are going to get through? We're so disgusted it's taken so long. And, and, and I, I don't know. Can you give us an update? Well, I don't know any more than you do, I think, Ed. I hope that, that <laughs> I get confirmed. I think it was a it's great honor to be nominated. You're right. It is a very big job. And I'm flattered and that the president continues to support me and, and did give me that shout out in a recent press conference. But beyond yeah. that, who knows? It, it has been an amazingly long time, not just for me, but for many people. Yeah. Well, I sh- I sure hope um it um it goes through. I mean, I think you do a great job at it, but I also think that, you know, the president the system deserves he deserves to put his people in and and um so well, Michael, thank you. We have a few days, uh, 10 days or so before this runs over at uh, PBS again. I'll make sure to put it all up on social media and appreciate you very much, Michael. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. Great talking. All right, we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Be back in a minute. Ed Martin and the Pro America Report on the Answer San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Our next guest is a, is a gentleman. I have to tell him that when I talked about that he was going to be on the show, I think it was yesterday. One of our listeners texted and said he's he himself. This guy listener was from Michigan, and he's a big fan of uh, Congressman uh, McCotter. Thad McCotter was a congressman for twenty. Oh, he's in office for twenty six years. Elected office for twenty six years, and uh, from Michigan, I think it was. I never remember. Is it the eleventh congressional district? But he has also been a great voice in these last years since he left office, especially uh, for conservatives and his knowledge of the system and how things work. And he wrote a piece a couple days ago in American Greatness, uh, amgreatness.com, I'll put it up, called, uh, the title is Who Broke General Flynn Upon a Wheel? It's a great title because he uses a, a, um, a, a reference we'll get to in a second. So welcome, Congressman McCotter. How are you, sir? Well, how are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So this piece, first, walk us through this. I, I want you to do it because it's so cool. Walk us through this uh, uh, Who Broke Flynn Upon a Wheel and a reference you're referring to because I think it is pretty clever. So you want to walk us through that, please? Yeah, I was I was watching a, a documentary on the Rolling Stones. <laughs> uh-huh. And they had, and they had the <laughs> I love it. Well, it's what I do. So well, I was playing along <laughs> to it as well. But when I was watching it, you went through the period when uh, Mick and Keith uh, got arrested back in 67. And it was a famous party where where Marianne Faithful was wearing a a rug, basically. And and they were prosecuted and they were severely sentenced. And and the editor of The Times wrote an editorial, and it was called Who Breaks a Butterfly Upon a Wheel? 
And it came from a a satire by Pope. And basically what it is is who went to all this time and effort to do such a small task? In short, he was criticizing the British uh, justice system for basically making an example of Mick Jagger and Keith Richards in a way that they never would have done if they were just ordinary citizens. And his right. and his thrust and the thrust of the editorial was so important because while many conservatives were you know relishing the fact that Jagger and Richards got their comeuppance uh, back in the '67, right. he was pointing out that when you un when you inequitably apply justice to anyone for whatever reason, you're undermining the entire public's trust in the justice system and in right. British law and order. And it turned the tide. It actually helped Mick Jagger, and I think Mick Jagger ran into the guy's granddaughter decades later and, and said, "said Your dad, um, your dad uh, saved my career." I mean, it was that important <laughs> at the time. <laughs> yeah. But, but when but when I when I saw that, I was watching it, and it reminded me when, when we saw the revelations about what they did to General Flynn, and it was the same thing. That right. That. That you, when you think of all the time and energy they went into doing what they did to him, they wouldn't have done it to any other citizen. They certainly didn't do it to Hillary Clinton. And then you have to ask yourself why. And then when you start going through it, as my friend Andy McCarthy and others have done, is they go through it because Flynn knew where all the bodies were buried. He had the president's back. And coming into this administration, he would have been a problem not only uh, to uncover those bodies and show what happened, but because he would have blown the lid off of the Russiagate hoax and collusion right off the bat. So they had to target him. And they did, and they destroyed him. And now they're going to find out that uh, General Flynn is not is not dead and buried, and they're going to rue the day uh, that when justice is finally done, because it's going to come for them. You know, we're talking with uh, former Congressman Thad McCotter, and I, I think this is such a, an important uh, thing. And, and, you know, maybe because your time in Congress and elected office, you have the uh, the gravitas to deliver it. But because, um, you know, what Flynn, what they did to Flynn, when you start to hear, you know, they put his son in the crosshairs and they I, I, I tell people they basically said, you lied to us. And he said, I did. And they said, yeah, yeah, look, well, you lied to us. You know, you, you must have said this. You were hiding it from us. And if you just take that and help us with this other stuff, we'll leave your son alone. We'll leave you alone. And at a certain point, Flynn was like, I guess I better take that. And then he learns they basically were lying about what they told him he'd done, you know, effectively. I mean, but here's my question. You've been around a long time. Congressman Cotter, McCotter. Will we get accountability? I mean, I agree with you. The FBI has been, you know, bathed in shame now. But will we get accountability? You know, at the same time, we're seeing this Waco. The movie over is over on Netflix now. It was a Paramount movie. It's getting a lot more popularity. I watched some of the clips on it and the FBI overreach. Clearly, they admit that the guys that were there said we made a mistake in some parts of it and all. And you just the Patriot Act got way further than we wanted. Brennan lied to us when he said we weren't surveilled American citizens. But very few real changes happen. Can we expect real accountability? Well, I think we will, because as I note in my piece, what we're looking at now is something that's never happened before. Conservatives, Republicans have always been the party of law and order. And we had the yeah. utmost respect for the justice system, and the utmost faith in it. And right now we don't. 
thanks to the actions of Comey and people like Brennan and others, although Brennan obviously was the CIA, and Strzok and the rest of them and the DOJ with Yates and what they did to Flynn and what they would do to their enemies. And it goes on a long line of the quote-unquote scandal-free, which is garbage, Obama administration, when you look at what they did with the IRS and others, targeting their political opponents, spying on Congress, which is what Brennan lied about under oath and what Clapper lies about under oath. And so you have Republicans looking at this, and it, sh- it's, it shouldn't be as surprising as, as it is, even to people like me. Remember, the left thinks politics is life. Everything has to be political for them because they're such empty shells that only their ideology gives them an, an external validation, gives them any sense of self-worth because they're basically empty vessels. So when you look right. at them, they politicize everything for their own vanity and self-aggrandizement. So when you look at it, what did we think they were going to do with the Justice Department? What did we think they would do with the CIA? What did we think they would do with um, the FBI when they were in the hands of people like Comey and others? They would politicize it. And so now we have to look at this. Will justice come? That's up to Durham. That's up to Barr. I think they're they're very responsible people. They understand what's at stake. And they will see the justice is done. And if they can, they will bring them to justice. Remember, you're dealing with people who spent their whole lives in the system so they know how to get around in the system without exposing themselves. Right. Forget that. But I think over time, you're going to see major changes in how that institution is reformed. But what's going to have to happen is going to take time in the end, because the Democrats are going to defend these people, which is one of the greatest ironies I've ever seen in my life. The party of quote-unquote civil liberties is defending a corrupt justice system that broke every constitutional norm that we've ever seen in in a scandal that's bigger than Watergate. But they just don't seem to care because orange man bad. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, that's right. That's all right. I I agree completely. But it does doesn't it raise the stakes of the twenty twenty election? Because it, you know I've often thought that guys like Brennan and Clapper, Comey, and others they're playing out the they're trying to play out the clock right because if they can get a Democrat back in office in the, in the big seat they'll look the other way right I mean and and one of the things I tell people is you know no matter what you think of this or that or the other thing there's lots of things that happen when you're the incumbent that are not not always in the way we you and I would have maybe liked it but the stakes of the 2020 election couldn't be bigger so now my question is you 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 had you know. Two or two two plus decades of experience with voters. Do the voters understand what's at stake in 2020? Can they get the picture in key places like Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and and hold it for the president as well as for the Senate or the House? Well, I think what's going to happen is the number one issue will be the economy. That's just right. going to be the reality of the of the situation. The people, the Republicans, conservatives who followed this will understand the stakes. A case can be made. Um, but in, in the final analysis, I think that the economy is what's going to drive this. There'll still be some lingering concern about uh, COVID-19, hopefully, that we've passed through the pandemic by that point in time. I think we will. We haven't already. But in, in the final analysis, you have to remember that's what people do. But I think you're right. Uh, the concern that we have is if Joe Biden is elected, they'll bury this all again, and they'll pretend that it never happened. And the media, who was complicit in perpetuating the Russiagate hoax and lie and the smears against General Flynn, uh, will hope that it goes away so that they can pretend that they still have some shard of credibility, which, which I don't think anybody in their right mind actually records <laughs> them. But I think that the stakes of this election are huge, because if they get away with this, they'll just keep doing it. Life's very simple. Mm-hmm. These people, if they get away with it, what do criminals do when they get away with something? They keep doing it. 
Yeah. Well, uh, I appreciate very much the piece over at American Greatness. Again, Thad McCotter, former congressman. It's, I'll put it up on social media. Amgreatness.com is the general site, but I'll put it up there. Um, I hope you're doing more writing and uh, appearances. I mean, I think it's uh, important. So uh, any, any, anywhere people can find more of your stuff? Well, I'm at Thad McCotter on Twitter. Um, okay. yeah, I'm on American Greatness. Right. I do the Bat- John Bachelor show out of New York every Monday, and every now and again with Andy McCarthy, we'll do a pre-record. And occasionally Great. I go on TV when they need a bald guy. So <laughs> I'll remember that. Very good. All right. Thank you, Congressman McCotter. We'll uh, put it up on social media. We'll be in touch. Appreciate it very much. And uh, we'll take a quick break. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Democrats blamed Senator Bernie Sanders for Hillary Clinton's loss to President Trump in 2016. You've got to wonder, if establishment Democrats were so worried about Bernie spoiling the race in 2016, why did they let him get so far in 2020? Liberal Democrats have only themselves to blame. They stoked the flames of class warfare to try to bring down Donald Trump. Their flames of discontent only backfired into an inferno within their own party. The only thing the establishment Democrats had going for them, besides their billions of dollars and their vice-like grip on party officials was the rejection of Sanders by older African-American voters. Sanders had much greater success with Hispanics than with African-Americans, and no one seems interested in getting to the bottom of why this is. Pundits pretend that Biden inherits the support blacks had for Obama, but Biden was VP more than three years ago now. I don't think voters care about Biden's time in the White House at this point. Illegal immigration is a major reason for the huge divide in Sanders' support. Black voters in South Carolina won't support Sanders' agenda to open our southern border and let hordes of low-income workers come in. Latinos are more enthusiastic about Bernie's demand that driver's license be given nationwide to illegal aliens, plus more taxpayer-funded entitlements for them. Bernie swept Nevada after pandering to illegals in a way that does not sell to Democrats of any race in the southern part of America. Again, you can place the blame for that squarely on the establishment Democrats. They're the ones who fight so hard to get the hordes of illegals inside our borders. They may be solidly Democrat, but that doesn't mean they have any loyalty to the establishment. Ironically, if establishment Democrats want to keep their power from falling into the hands of insurgents like Bernie Sanders, their best bet would be to join conservatives in fighting against illegal immigration. This may be their best play, but I'm not holding my breath. The Democrat deal with the devil of open borders runs deep into the party structure at this point. If you want secure borders, you're better off looking elsewhere with your vote. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. i got two very important things to cover with you here tonight. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. The first one is, you remember a few weeks ago, I had, I think, the founder, I think he's the founder of Parler.com, P-A-R-L-E-R, the alternative uh, uh, space for social media. It's uh, it's kind of like Twitter, except they don't block you if you're conservative. They don't shut you out if you're conservative. They don't to throttle you back and shadow ban you and all that. And uh, it was a very interesting conversation. I joined. It could have been a month or two. I don't know, a few months ago, maybe. I joined, and I'm on there a little bit. Not as much as I might like. But I was back on there recently, and I, I, I caught my eye that a gentleman who you may know, his name is Tim Young. He's really funny, good writer, comedian, and he's on there. His uh, parlor handle is at Tim Runs His Mouth, which just sounds like him. It's really, it's fantastic. It's perfect for him. Uh, he's, like I mentioned, he's he, sometimes you hear him on Sirius XM, I think. You'll hear him on, uh, you'll read him on some Washington Times, other places. Pretty cool dude. And uh, again, it's at Tim Runs His Mouth on Parler. If you're not on Parler, you should go on there. P-A-R-L-E-R. Join up. Like I said, they don't throttle you back if you're conservative they don't block people if you're conservative they just let things go and it's very cool well more interesting to me was that uh tim young is also tomorrow night at uh, 8 p.m eastern time so 5 p.m pacific time is going to have a program live on parlor this is very interesting because i think we also need this vehicle for conservatives or at least for free speech and to have a a place where they're not going to throttle you back or block you or anything else so he's going to do this tomorrow wednesday night and i just want to encourage people it's going to be called that was a week with tim young and i was texting with one of the key folks at uh, parlor and asking for sort of more details about it and she had a great response she said um if Bill Maher and John Stewart lean right, that would be Tim Young, which is perfect, and exclusively on Parler. And he's going to look at the news and the hypocrisy and tear it all to shreds and have fun. He's very dynamic. It's, again, it's at Tim Runs His Mouth uh, is on Parler, Tim Young. Check it out. So I want to encourage you. It's a good reason to join Parler. And then once you're joined, uh, watch that. Join it by tomorrow, uh, Wednesday night at 8 o'clock and, uh, and watch it. I think you will be pleased to be a part of Parler. And then I think you'll enjoy this. That was a week with Tim Young over on Parlor tomorrow, Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time live. It'll be great. I'll talk to I'll talk it about I'll talk with you about it on the show on Thursday, too, to give you a rundown. All right. The second thing I have to cover today is I've got some great news. I've told you how important the Pledge of Allegiance is. Well, to listen to this, I want to play you something. It was sent to me by a friend of mine. You might know his name begins with Odger or his name, first name ends in Odger and his last name ends in Own. And uh, he said. Send me this. I want you to hear the Pledge of Allegiance by one of the great Americans. Here we go. Uh, Noah, cue that up and let's listen right now. This is Roger Stone. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Well, there you have it. There you have it. And mark my words, I'm going to do it, but mark my words that it's going to become a sensation in this country for us to all be saying the Pledge of Allegiance again, but it's going to become a sensation for patriots like Roger Stone and General Flynn and others to say the Pledge of Allegiance. And in fact, my prediction is that you're going to see thousands and thousands, hundreds of the millions say the Pledge of Allegiance on social media, whether they're on Parler, as I mentioned, uh, on Facebook, wherever you are. And they're going to say the Pledge of Allegiance is such an absolutely inspired 
divinely inspired pledge of allegiance. It unites us in such a dramatic way. And so there was Roger Stone. I'll put it up on social media so you can hear it. You can download it. You can have it. It's fantastic. And I hope you'll say it more. You know, a lot of folks are stuck at home still. They're getting ready to come charging back. But there's been unifying moments in this quarantine, this great pause, whatever you call it. For my family, you know, we've had more time together in prayer. We've had more time together in meals. And we've even had time for our Pledge of Allegiance. And so I just encourage people to go ahead and say the pledge and get it, let it catch it on. I don't, you know, I didn't invent the pledge. I don't copyright it. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't even care when when everybody's saying it you the listeners of the pro america report will remember that we were talking about it here first not that we invented it not that we just knew how important it is and it will be important for our country as we go charging out to be together um and now let me get one more thing one of our uh, listeners yeah good i'm glad i caught this one of our listeners t- uh, emailed me and you can email me anytime edit ed martin live.com edit ed martin live.com uh, she emailed me and said that over the weekend phyllis schlafly was trending on twitter because rose byrne the actress who plays gloria steinem was interviewed by variety magazine and she said phyllis schlafly was a feminist because she did everything she wanted and was successful or something like that well Twitter attacked Rose Byrne for sort of being positive about Phyllis. And so not only did Rose Byrne back down, it's really funny, but the variety on their website changed the story. And they said, ah, the the article was updated to reflect the tone in the podcast interview with Rose Byrne, meaning that they're trying to say she was being sarcastic. Uh, Here's the thing. Hollywood is running from their lies, We, myself and others, have caught them lying about Mrs. America, the FX series that's streaming on Hulu. Another episode comes out tomorrow. So go to realmrsamerica.com, real, the word real, Mrs. M-R-S, America, realmrsamerica.com, and you'll see our fact checks. You'll see the real truth. It's it's $50 million they spent to try to slur Phyllis Schlafly, and they're doing it. But we're beating them back by uh, the power of social media and folks like you and and folks like the listener who emailed me and caught that great uh, catch on what's happening there. So we will be um, back tomorrow night. I thank my uh, great technical director, Noah, for doing such an awesome job keeping us on time and online. And uh, Joanna for helping book these great guests. I hope you will continue to pass this on to others. Go to TheAnswerSanDiego.com. Get more of the show. Get the show as a podcast wherever you get podcasts. Pass it on to your neighbors and friends, and we will be back tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you next.